So what you have to understand is to what degree is the donor interested in that? And if they are, you better be prepared to address that. Hey, everyone, I'm Mark Randolph, and welcome to That Will Never Work. On this podcast, I speak with folks who are at every stage of building their own business, whether they're leaping from side hustle to self-employed or are already generating revenue and ready to level up. My goal is to draw out their biggest challenges and then, using a combination of advice, encouragement, and tough love, nudge them just a little closer to realizing their dreams. While I'm known for co-founding Netflix and serving as its first CEO, my career as an entrepreneur spans four decades. Netflix was actually my fifth startup, and since leaving there, I've had the opportunity to work with scores of early-stage companies and mentor aspiring entrepreneurs from all over the world. Along the way, I've picked up hundreds of tips, tricks, and secrets, which I'm eager to share with my listeners. Helping others move their ideas forward has become my life's passion. So if you've been told that will never work as much as I have, you've come to the right place. Together, we'll prove the naysayers wrong. Rule number one for any founder, don't run out of money. Running out, of course, presumes you have some to begin with. Raising money is always a challenge, but it's truly next level when you're a nonprofit. Without the ability to dangle financial returns in front of an investor, you've got to make sure you know in advance exactly what motivates a potential donor. And that's exactly what's hanging up today's guest, Leanne Taylor. She's observed that when it comes to the practical and psychological needs of sexual assault survivors, the current hotlines are simply inadequate. Her solution? A 24-7 hotline run not by volunteers, but by licensed therapists. It's self-evidently a better solution, but then why is she getting so little response to her asks? As you'll hear in a few minutes, I think the problem isn't necessarily what she wants, but instead could simply be the way she's asking for it. Have a listen. Hey, Leanne. Nice to meet you. Thanks for joining me on That Will Never Work. Really excited to hear what you're up to. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're working on and then maybe what it is you're struggling with or would like some help with. Great. Okay. So I'm Leanne, master's level social worker, and I've been working in the field of trauma for like 25 years. My new plan was to create Angela's Hotline, which is a sexual assault 24-7 hotline for sexual assault survivors run and managed by therapists, which hasn't been done yet. Most rape crisis lines are done by volunteers. And what we wanted to do was actually help victims with the things that they don't offer you when you call in a hotline. Basically, hotlines are often just support, but there's so much else that people need support with, like how to address the system's that they're having to work with, like the hospital, police, court, crown. Do you want to know why we termed it Angela's? I can only guess why uh, it's in honor of Angela. Well, actually, in England, if you go into a bar and you ask for Angela because the date or person you're with, you're not comfortable, uh -huh. they will bring you to another room and help you resolve that issue. And we thought that was so cool after the Me Too movement to actually 
take a system that's already in run and make it more international. In fact, yeah. that program has gone to Australia too. So we decided, why don't we give Angela a hotline? I love that idea. That's great. And let's see where to start here. One thing I want to be clear up, has you started this yet? Or this is still just an idea you have? No, I started it. I started in March of this year. We have a toll-free number. We have the regular number as well. And we have three volunteer therapists and about eight regular volunteers to help out. Is it 24-7? It can't be with only three volunteer therapists. The biggest hurdle that I've had thus far is getting grant money so that I can actually hire more social workers. Because the three therapists that are volunteering right now, we're all 25 years plus therapists. So we plan to use master's level graduates that are working through the program to actually help run it. But I didn't really want to start, start until we had some money behind us. So okay. we have interviewed 67 different organizations and there's tons of them. And they all think it's a great idea, but they don't want to be the first ones to put their money down. So I've listened to some of your podcasts and I'm like, okay, so either I'm doing something wrong and I'm not sure what I've missed, but what I do know this about myself, which is I'm terrible at asking people for money. I'm a giver, not a asker. So I assume that you, of course, have probably read tons of entrepreneur stories where the plucky protagonist says, I had to make 6,504 pitches before finally someone believed in me and now look how successful we are. Right. That is the one genre over in the library from the person who says, I bought my lottery ticket for 17 years every single week before I finally won the lottery. And I got to say that they're probably very similar stories, which is that you're right. If you're getting 67 no's in a row, there is two obvious solutions probably more than two, but certainly we'll pick two. One is, like you said, you're just not that good at it. But Maybe a different yeah. way of saying that, a, a perhaps better way of saying that is you're just not saying it correctly. You're not hitting the right points. You're not understanding it from their perspective properly. There's an art that goes into making that pitch. But let's assume that's one category of reasons why you're getting rejected so often. The other one, in fact, the more painful one, is there some fundamental flaw in the fundability of the project? And they're not necessarily sitting you down and saying, here specifically are the problems that I see with this. And maybe it's a combination of both. Um, I'm going to start in a slightly different place, actually, to give you some advice about this, because I'm really curious about your comment about there isn't a hotline that you know of run and staffed by therapists was there an adjective before that some kind of therapist or just therapist well trauma therapist yeah licensed yeah licensed therapist up here we're registered yeah but registered yeah. therapist and you said but there's tons of them run by volunteers and i'm always fond of asking you if you can imagine why that is well sure because therapists need to get paid and they get paid a lot of money so Correct. i get that yes and the other thing is What's interesting is that a lot of therapists don't actually know what will actually help with sexual assault survivors, where there's a new therapy out there called cognitive processing therapy, which is being used when you're in the States with your veterans. 
and uh, it's working for PTSD. And there's like four or five here in British Columbia that are certified to do CPT, but pretty much it's not well known up here in Canada. That's the other thing. All of the therapists are trained in that. So we would be running a very specific hotline. But again, that requires grant funding. Yeah, the thing is, there is certainly a huge body of knowledge about how to do development, how to fundraise. And I'll be honest, I'm not an expert at that. I'm not even that good at it. I mean, I do serve in a number of nonprofit boards, so I'm exposed to it. But I'll be the first one to confess that when we do committee assignments, I'm usually not clamoring to get onto the development committee. I just don't find that type of work interesting. I do donate a lot of money to interest groups that I care about. I do a lot of asks, so it's not that. It's just that that science of development, there are professionals who are fantastic at it. And it might be worth your time to convince one of them to spend a handful of hours with you who can walk you through, what do I need to do to begin fundraising for real? But I will comment in a different piece of this, that there is an immense number of people like yourself who will really want to help, which you so clearly do, who have come up with, I hate to use the term, but I will anyway, great ideas, helpful ideas, things that can help. And then your problem basically is, well, how do I get someone to pay for it? What you've learned is that there is a missing piece to this discussion that when you go to the prime minister or when you go to a foundation, they're not listening and saying, Leanne, is this a good idea or a bad idea? Is this gonna help people or not help people? Because obviously it's gonna help people. Obviously it's a good idea. You're trying to help people who are survivors of sexual assault. What a great thing. And in fact, you're trying to do it in a more expensive, better way. They're not going, okay, since it's a good idea, we'll give you money. Because if it was, you'd get even more money than the volunteer hotlines. Because it's an even better idea because you're using more expensive paid people. What you have to make sure you understand is what donors' motivations are. Because I'm going to go out on a limb and guess here is that because it's so much more expensive to have registered therapists on the line rather than volunteers, your cost per helped person is quite a bit higher, which means for a fixed donation, you help a lot fewer people. So what you have to understand is to what degree is the donor interested in that? And if they are, you better be prepared to address that. Okay, the other thing that donors are usually looking for is outcomes. You may be able to say, that no, the all volunteer hotlines, their outcomes aren't good. Whereas our outcomes are X. But to do that, you can't just go in and say, I have this great idea to do it with registered therapists. So what? What you wanna do is I've developed a way which is incredibly more effective. It has better outcomes. And how do I know that? Is because I ran this project on volunteer dollars and on scraping it along for six months. And we did some studies and we found out that for every hundred calls to the all volunteer hotlines, you know, the satisfaction rating, wherever you measure outcomes to have calls was this, whereas people here were X. So in fact, my cost for satisfactory outcome is actually lower. I mean, you can tell that I'm making this up, but what you're doing wrong is not understanding in advance where they're coming from so that you can make sure you've positioned your service, not as it's better. What you could just do is go in and pitch, I'm gonna have a medical doctor. I'm gonna have a PhD in psychotherapy, man the hotline 24 seven. 
I have to raise $10 million, but it's a better idea. And we can extend that even further that anyone who calls for free can spend 10 hours on the phone with a PhD and with a therapist. In other words, you can extend it infinitely and make it better and better. What your innovation has to be is to find this effective middle ground of dollars towards some other angle that will appeal to somebody. And that's the step you're missing. Does this make sense at all? Well, it, it does. And as we've gone along, and we've been doing this for about a year now, the line hasn't been ready, but we've been thinking about this for a long time. CBT works when you actually apply in 12 sessions, which is problematic for a hotline. And so even though we purchased, I purchased the nonprofit and federal nonprofit, I realized that actually naming it a hotline was maybe problematic because really what's needed is free group therapy, actually. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, damn it. But I want to tell you as well about something else that I wonder if I shouldn't be doing it back up and try that first. I know that you talked about when you did Netflix, you have like five different companies. So this idea came from me hating asking for money. And so we were going to call it Angela's Tea Company, have a nonprofit tea company where the profits of that tea go to sexual assault survivors and their counseling in whatever fashion they wanted. That could be Angela's hotline or it could be any other. And thereby taking myself out of the, I need money, please, please, to, okay, well, here's an idea and maybe people will buy the tea. Now, the trick about the tea is every box uh, will have therapeutic writing on how to deal with mental health wellness. Kind of like the old Cracker Jack boxes, you know, where you had the little prize. But in this tea box, if we had a, let's say, a cup of blues for depression, you would have therapeutic issues around depression and how to resolve that, maybe. Taking it from the therapeutic office to your kitchen table. And then the profits of that would go to funding sexual assault survivor. I don't know, is that a crazy idea? I haven't done anything with it, but I think it's good. Well, it's a little bit of you're missing a magic step here, which is will people actually... Want the tea? <laughs> yes. Because wouldn't it be great? In other words, what you'd have to have some evidence that in fact you can sell tea effectively, which I'm going to guess either A is not necessarily an interest of yours, becoming an expert in selling tea, or one that you have any existing expertise in, having spent 25 years this as a, a therapist. therapist. So I'm a little hesitant about <laughs> it. It's enough. a bit of a magic bullet. If, for example, you said, listen, I've been working for 25 years at Coca-Cola as a brand manager, and I'm sick of selling sugar water. I really want to help the world. So what I'm going to do is launch a version of Tom's Shoes, but tea. And for every package of tea. In other words, then I go, okay, that's pretty cool. And that person will be going, but I don't know anything about the therapy piece. So I'm going to have to partner with people who know the therapy. And yours might be the opposite one. If you could find someone who's passionate about helping women and really understands that business, then you maybe you might have something. <laughs> okay. But otherwise it sounds a little bit like a Mickey Rooney movie where they're gonna repossess grandma's house. Well, let's put on a show. My dad's got a barn and my mom could make these drapes for curtains. <laughs> You've got the magic solution here to your money problems is uh, selling tea. And I'm usually, you've probably heard me, I'm not trying to disparage the I ideas. I love it. It's great. What I would be thinking in terms of using your expertise, which you have all this expertise, using the passion you have for helping people this way, is really be thinking, is there a more effective way to do hotline 
therapy using more qualified people, but not just by saying instead of using volunteer, untrained volunteers. I mean, they're trained. You can train them, but. You know what I mean? Yeah. Less educated volunteers yeah, specifically. Yeah. Is there some hybrid model that you can come up with that gets better outcomes? But I guess my point is, why would I start another one when they're already out there? I guess what I wanted, and maybe I should have said this to start with, is that this became a passion of mine, actually, because I was sexually assaulted five years ago by a local firefighter when I was medically compromised and he drugged my water. And oh, so I actually God. had to go through the whole system myself, but I'm educated. So I thought reasonably that, you know, working with the police and going to the hospital and all that stuff would go smooth. But I actually discovered that despite all my education, no, there's many different areas where there is just not the help that you need. Things like how long do drugs stay in your system? Or if I go to hospital to get the exam, do I have to immediately talk to a police officer? You know, when you call the, the helplines, they're like, yeah, that's too bad. That's actually not the help that's needed. Actually, people need direction at a time in their lives when they just need calm, sensible instructions as to how to manage that. But I don't think the knowledge is out there. That's what's missing. Yeah, that's what I want to get at. I love that you're trying to solve that problem. It's fantastic. And you're right. I'm sure there's tremendous gaps between what's needed and what's available. And as I almost started off with, it very well could be that you can find someone to fund this. I guess the lasting advice for that is to really understand for the people who are willing to fund it, what are they looking for? Okay. What's missing here? Is it as simple as, I think I picked up the comment that they don't want to be the first one or something Yeah, like they that. all said, amazing. Yes, we want to get on board on this. Absolutely. We just don't want to be the first. And everybody said that from the curling people to Bell Talks to <laughs> you name it. Oh, and, the, and Prime Minister oh. Trudeau also sent a little spiel. We talked to all of the MPs and MLAs. You name it. We did it. But nobody wants to put their money down. Well, those curling people are notoriously stingy. <laughs> Actually, they're still potentially looking at it. So I don't know. And Johnson and Johnson too was even considering it. So we had a lot of... Let's go down that path for a second then. Yeah. Why? What do you think they were scared of? I guess the big question is, did you ask them why not? No. So yes, I'm already there in terms of following back up with them <laughs> to say, so what happened here? They all said things like, well, it's COVID. We're just not sure that we could put this on the yes for maybe next year. We kind of want to see how you do on your own. So they all want to make sure it's a, not a fly-by-night thing, which is totally fair. Well, maybe that's it. Rather than going in asking for, how much money were you asking for? Well, it depended on the companies. Some we were asking for $50,000 and others it was a little bit more. We weren't asking for a ton for the first year. We were just trying to get our foot in the door so we could do the phone line. I did a GoFundMe and got $700, but that's not a lot, okay? That's just not enough. So really the volunteers and I, we've been doing this ourselves. What were you saying that that amount of money would get you? Was this to, uh, to run for a year? Was it non-specific? Oh yeah, we were just doing for a year. No, we actually, I wasn't actually doing this because I know I'm terrible at asking for money, truly. 
I had a friend of mine who was volunteering to do that. And he was saying that we need to help pay for the therapist. We need insurance. We need the phone itself. We were very specific. We had it itemized down to the nth degree. Oh, no, this is good. I hear where you're going. So I do have a suggestion then. Let's do two things simultaneously, perhaps. One is, I think you do have a little bit of research to do. And I was saying at first you should speak to a development professional, which you should. But I'm going to change that. Your assignment, I think, is of the 65 people you reached out to for money who said, I don't want to go yet. first. Yeah. I want you to go back to them, not to them, to a handful of them. Okay. Uh, five, seven. And when you call, and it could be you, okay? Uh, it'll not be me this time. Yeah. Not I'll your do professional it. other person. And you can say, I'm calling not to ask for money now. I'm calling not to push you or guilt you or do anything like that. I'm purely wondering whether you could spare half an hour and walk me through your thinking in terms of what you said no, so that I can begin to design a program which is more effective at raising money in the future. Right. In other words, you're asking for something in some ways a bit more valuable, which is their time, that they may be very happy to be the first person to give out. And you can collect all this information about what was that code for when they said, I don't want to go first. Okay. And then what I suspect they're going to say is it's going to come down to some variant of either we're not confident you actually can pull this off. I can. They don't know me well enough yet. <laughs> no, of course not. But I mean, that, that could be what this was code for. Sure. Was uh, this person's a dreamer and all of our $100,000, $1,000 is going to go into setup costs. And that's not what we're in business for. We're in business to help people. And we don't want first of it to go into running a space and paying a salary. And in other words, that may be what they're saying or lack of confidence that this is for real. A lot of them might be saying, I'd like to see some evidence of efficacy. Yeah, that's the piece right there. But how do I do that? Here's the thing. I believe that's the case. So the problem is, well, first of all, to get the media to even notice that we exist, that's partly, right? What would it cost? Let me jump in for a second. Okay. I don't need a dollar amount here. Let's say you said, I need to demonstrate both of those things. Now, to demonstrate that does not mean I need to do it for a year. To demonstrate that does not mean I need to do it with a team of 30 therapists. To demonstrate probably does not even need that I need to do it 24 hours. I'm gonna demonstrate this in a much more limited way and you're gonna to have to be the clever one here. So here you have the person who doesn't know a lot about this gonna make things up, so I'm making it up. So you okay. say, we're gonna be open from 9 p.m. till 2 a.m. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a date night hotline. Again, I'm making it up, but you figure out some way to dramatically limit your hours so that you yourself can staff it. Yeah, yeah, happy to do that. And you can do it three nights a week for, again, 10 weeks. And it allows you to get some evidence that A, people call. It also, since you basically say, I'm just gonna go to all the bars in the nightlife zone and allow me to post just the quick, you find some way to begin putting the number out there that if you have a problem, I'm here for you and see what happens. See what the volumes are, see what the efficacy is, see how long these calls are so you can begin getting some sense of volume. Learn for yourself firsthand how many of these calls really required somebody who was a registered therapist. Mm. In other words, then you may go, wow, I was premature. I had this great idea that I wasn't quite sure right. if it was really for real, but wow, 
I've now spoken to 75 women and 10 men over the last 13 weeks. And wow, I have a totally different sense of now what's needed and how to handle it. And I'm going to do another 13 weeks. And then you go, okay, now I've got it. Now, when you go in to pitch for money, it's a different story. You're saying, I'm doing this myself for free. I'd like to hire one person, two people to help me. And they'd like to extend my hours a little bit. I'm not asking for a million dollars. I'm asking for $25,000 just to do this pilot for them. In other words, you're going to iterate your way into it, which will lower the cost requirement and more importantly, allow you to start for a dramatically lower amount. Maybe just the cost of getting the phone line and printing up some flyers. Maybe you can get started by going around and asking someone for $5,000 rather than 50. I already paid for all that, but yeah, that's awesome. I've already done that part. I paid for the flyers and but yes, I get what you're saying. Absolutely. It's fantastic. And I love the idea of a pilot because the phone line has been open, but because I haven't really had the publicity, I've been grateful because it's mostly been me. We have divvied it up between the three of us, but still I'm just waiting for the calls to come flooding in. And that's a concern, right? Not to be able to service everybody. Yeah. There's a different message there too, which is that you know, if calls aren't flooding in. Nobody knows about it. That could be. And so your mission is not, again, I don't want you to go spending tons of money on a big publicity campaign. I hope I'm not coming off as being harsh, but if this is an amazing idea, it's going to work and there's a huge pent up demand for it, it'll happen with very little word of mouth. So you get the idea. And again, I don't know the best places to promote it, but I wouldn't say this is something that you're going to push that hard. You're making it available for people who are looking for help. Yes. And I think there's a more reasonable way to do it. I hope this gives you at least a way to start. Absolutely. It took us a while to get there. <laughs> but I, I do, I love what you're doing. And I, this is one of those things which I so sincerely hope you manage to get going. Hopefully we can then speak again sometime in the future about more advanced fundraising techniques. <laughs> Once you <laughs> realize you actually have some evidence-based. Yeah, that's missing. That you're onto something and that you've demonstrated that someone wouldn't be the first and that you've actually proven you can pull this off. Thank you so much. You have no idea how helpful this has been. It's been great. Oh, well, that's great. Well, good, Leanne. I'm glad we hopefully had a little breakthrough here. Yeah, we did. Best of luck with this. And uh, hopefully we can follow up some point in the future and see how, uh, how things are going. Regardless of whether you're looking to change the world or change your own bank balance, raising money is an unavoidable part of the process. It's never easy. But a little research, and even better, a little evidence, can make all the difference. If Leanne can get Angela's hotline up and running with her small team, and combine that with some research into exactly why her prospective donors are saying no, it should pave the way for more funding, more growth, and a lot more people with access to adequate help. When we check back with Leanne, I'll be eager to hear about where the hotline has gone from here whether they ended up starting a pilot program, and what they've discovered about their venture along the way. In the meantime, if you want to be a guest on That Will Never Work, I've made it really easy. Just go to markrandolph.com forward slash guest, fill out the form, and leave a voice message right there on the site. While you're there, sign up to get my weekly entrepreneurial advice delivered right to your inbox. Or... Connect with me on Twitter at mbrandolph or on Instagram at thatwillneverwork or my newest attempt at denying my age on TikTok where I promise you won't ever find me dancing without a shirt on. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to smash that like button and leave me a review at Apple Podcasts. 
I'll see you next time. Audiation.